Hey, hey, Saddleback Church. Wow, it is so great to be here with you today. And I wanna first give a warm welcome to all of our campuses and those of you online, our Saddleback Online family. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Now, we are in the middle of a message series called Uncommon Courage. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about how courage is often that character quality in our life. That is the, it's the thing, it's the ingredient that helps us step into the life that God has for us. And when we lack courage, sometimes that's the thing that keeps us in these frustrating cycles of like, we're, we're disappointed with ourselves, we're disappointed with our choices because we just lack the courage that we need to step into what it is that God has for us. And Andy gave us this definition of courage. And it's the ability to make the hard right choice, even at great personal cost. Now the reality is that all of us are coming from different walks of life, we are at different stages of life, and so we have different obstacles in front of us that require courage. And so I was thinking about our students in the room and our, our singles in the room, and maybe the hard right decision for you is to choose to live a life of purity, to live a life that has a different moral standard than the rest of the world around you. And that, that's a hard choice, and if you make that choice, it's going to probably cost you. It's gonna cost you maybe some friendships. It might make you feel a little bit more isolated from different groups of people that just don't understand your choices and your lifestyle. Or I, I was also thinking about all of you that are building your careers right now and, and it feels like so much is, is crushing in on you because your career is just all consuming. And maybe the hard right choice for you is to draw some healthy boundaries with work. But if you do that, it will probably come at great personal cost because maybe people will misunderstand you, your boss might misunderstand you, your colleagues, maybe it will cost you a promotion. Sometimes we make just kind of everyday courage types of decisions. Like I know as a mom, I feel like I need courage every day just to get through parenting my kids. Maybe if you're a parent, you can relate. I have three kids and, and one of my everyday kind of courage moments is when I wanna ask them to help out around the house because <laughs> I know it's gonna cost me. It's like, no, no, you really can unload the dishwasher or you, you could take out the trash and, and I need to make that decision but sometimes it's just easier to do it myself because I know, I know the pushback I'm gonna get and it's gonna cost me. I had to build up that courage inside me just for these everyday kind of moments. Well, the courage that we're gonna talk about today, it's a little bit different than the types of courage that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. The last couple of weeks we've been talking about stepping into courage, stepping out in courage. But the type of courage that we're gonna talk about today is something that I've really needed in my own personal journey over the last few months. And it's a type of courage that I, I know that all of us in, in the culture that we live in, that there is a call for this type of courage. But before we talk about that, I wanna share with you a little story. So a couple summers ago, our family took a family vacation up to Lake Tahoe in Northern California. It's beautiful in the summertime. And we decided one day to go for a hike on Eagle Lake Trail. 
and you can see a picture of our family on this hike. And the way this hike goes is you start up at the top and you hike down to the lake. And at the lake, there's this beach and it's so much fun. You just play around on the beach. But then our boys, they noticed that there were these people that were, that were climbing over these huge rocks, these boulders, these bouldering out across this area so that you could get to the other side where there were some rocks to jump off of. You can see our son Sammy right there in the picture. He, just these huge rocks. And so um, the boys take off with Andy and they're doing this. And Karis, who's six years old at the time, she and I are just kind of watching from the beach. And then she goes, Mom, I want to do it too. And so I was like, all right, let's do it. So, so we get out there a little ways, and, and it was kind of scary. It was a little bit tedious to climb on these boulders. And she looks at me, and she goes, Mom, I didn't know that I needed my courage to do this. I have to go back and get it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's go back. Let's go back. So we go back to the beach, and we're just sitting there hanging out, having a good time. But what I didn't know is that she was actually literally gathering her courage in this moment. And so a few minutes later, she says to me, okay, mom, I'm ready, let's go. And, um, and so we get out there on the rocks and she does it. I mean, she just like, she very tediously climbs over these rocks. She gets all the way out there to her dad and her brothers and they just have the best time jumping off these rocks into the lake. And Andy told me later that when, he, when she got out there to him, she says, hey dad, I'm sorry it took me a while. I had to go back and get my courage. I love that story because I feel like it is a representation of, of what we all are experiencing, that we, we get out there in life. And, and it's like, wow, this is, this is more than I expected. This is requiring more courage than I thought. And sometimes the thing that we really need to do is we need to go back and get our courage. And so... Today we're gonna to be talking about what that looks like. Because all of us, you know, we, we want what's on the other side of that 20 seconds of courage. We, we want it, but, but we don't wanna have that hard conversation. Or we don't wanna make that difficult decision. And sometimes we need to go back and find the courage because courage can be hard to come by sometimes. We get out there on the rocks and we're like, ah, I don't think I have what it takes. And so we end up stuck on the beach instead of conquering the rocks. And so the last few weeks we've been talking about the story of Joshua from the Bible. And in these opening chapters of Joshua, there have been so many opportunities for courage. Like for example, Joshua was taking over leadership for this legendary leader, Moses. And that is a call for courage. And then the priests were instructed to pick up the Ark of the Covenant and just walk straight out in the Jordan River. And that was a call for courage. And then all the Israelites, all two million plus people have to cross over into the promised land where they know that war and enemies await them. And that is a call for courage. And so there's been all these moments where people needed to step out into courage. But today we're looking at a different kind of courage. And instead of the call to step out, we're talking about the call to slow down. Because sometimes... Courage looks like working, but other times it looks like waiting. And sometimes God will give you the courage to say, let's go. But then other times he might be giving you the courage to be slow. 
And so we want to talk about the difference in that, how, how sometimes it's in these quiet moments, these moments where we slow down and we listen to the voice of God and we reflect on his faithfulness in our life. Sometimes those are the moments the courage bubbles up inside of us and it gives us the courage to do what we know we want to do, the thing that we need to do. And so... I wanna give you a brief recap in case you were not here the last couple of weeks of what's been going on in this story. So the Israelites have been wandering around for the last 40 years in the desert and the time has finally arrived for them to step across into the promised land. But before they do that, they've got this huge obstacle in front of them, which is the Jordan River. And there are no boats and there are no bridges. And this river is at flood stage. And they've got like 2 million people on this side that need to get to that side. This is like an impossible situation. And so Joshua goes to God and he says, all right, God, what's the plan here? And, and God says, okay, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have the priest pick up the Ark of the Covenant and walk straight out into the Jordan River. And Joshua's like, um, that river? And God's like, yeah, that, that river. And Joshua's like, the one that's ripping through here at flood stage right now? And God, God's like, yeah, that's the one. I mean, it is crazy. It feels so crazy because it's like, we know the end of the story. We know that God is going to stop the flow of the Jordan and everybody's going to walk across on dry ground. And it's going to be like one of the coolest miracles in all of the Old Testament. But they don't know that right now. Like they're standing on the, the side of the Jordan River and they're just, what are we going to do? And don't you know that there were a few people in that crowd that were like, is there a plan B? Because I would be very interested in hearing about plan B right now. But the thing that Joshua has going for him in this moment is that he, for the last 40 years, has had a front row seat to the faithfulness of God. Joshua has served as Moses' assistant for the last 40 years. So Joshua, he walked across on dry ground when God parted the Red Sea. And Joshua ate the manna that miraculously fell from heaven. And he saw when God sent fire from heaven and when he called it back again. You see, Joshua's history had prepared him for this moment. Joshua had experienced the faithfulness of God and it had built up some faith inside of him. And I think this is a critical, a critical idea for us to wrap our minds around today. Because it is God's faithfulness that is the foundation of our faith. I wanna say that again, it's his faithfulness that is the foundation of our faith. We are not just wishfully thinking, we're not just really hoping that some, some kind of karma will come together in the universe. No, 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 we serve a God who has a track record. And it is, his found, it is his faithfulness that provides this really sturdy, stable foundation upon which we can build our faith. And so the, the priests pick up the Ark of the Covenant and they go first. And I want you just to get in your minds with me. Imagine this scene with me. Imagine that you're one of the two million people that are standing on the banks of that river and you're just watching this scene unfold. And here go the priests. They pick up the Ark of the Covenant and they start walking towards this river and nothing is changing. Like the river is just flowing through at a rapid, at a rapid clip. And they're just watching and they're like, what is going to happen? 
And, and, and if God doesn't come through right now, all will be lost. And they're getting closer and closer. And they're trying to remind themselves just to have faith. He did it before. He can do it again. But, but don't you know if their hearts were anything like our hearts, that they were a little bit shaky in their faith in that moment. But as soon as the priest's feet hit the, t- the edge of the river, it says that the water stopped flowing. At that moment in time where if God had not come through, all would have been lost, God came through. And can you, can you just imagine the sound of praise on that riverbank that day from those two million people? And they thought, oh my gosh, did you see that? God did it, he did it again. We're gonna walk across on dry ground. He parted the waters again. And it was this moment of miracle that, the, that this unstoppable force of the Jordan River stood still in the presence of the Almighty. And I think that is such a great reminder for us today that there is no force coming at you in your life that is more powerful than the authority of the Most High. He is good and he is able to do what needs to be done. In Joshua 3.17, it says, The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. And, And you know what God was doing here? Do you know, he could have brought them in from another point of entry into the promised land. But he decided to bring them in from the east where they would have to cross the Jordan. If he had chosen to bring them in from the south, there would have been no river that would have blocked their access into the promised land. But he intentionally brought them to a place where their backs were against the wall and where they had to face this insurmountable odd because he wanted them to know as they entered into the promised land and they were gonna be facing all kinds of challenges ahead, he wanted them to have something to point back to, to say, my God came through for me then. When there was no other way, my God made a way. And he did this purposefully so that his faithfulness would build up the faith and the courage inside of them that he knew they were going to need in this next season. And now I want you to notice though how the Israelites get across the river. There's only one word in this whole chapter that tells us how they get across the river. So if you look in Joshua 4 verse 10, it says, Now the priests who carried the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. Now the people hurried over. So, so imagine this, the priests are standing firm. Everybody else is just running by. They are hurrying over. And you know what? Hurrying makes sense to me in a moment like this. Like maybe, maybe you're a kid in the room or a student or a parent and you've been to a uh, water park recently and, and you've seen at the top of those play structures that they have these huge buckets that are just like filling up slowly with water. And at any minute now, that bucket is gonna dump all of its contents on whoever's below them. And, and you guys, those things freak me out. Like, let me just tell you right now, I will always run, not walk when I am near one of those things because I am not trying to get knocked out in the face by a thousand gallons of water, get my feet swept right out from under me. Like, that's not fun to me. And and so it makes sense to me that they would hurry by. Don't you just know they're they're telling their little kids, "I I know the ground is dry right now, 
But that water's being held up somewhere and we are not gonna be in the riverbed when it comes back. So move it, kids, get through this river. But you know, you know what happens to us when we speed by? When we, when we hurry by, sometimes we miss what God is doing in that moment. Sometimes we fail to see the significance of it. We could be living in the middle of a miracle and completely miss it because we hurry by. And God didn't want them to miss what he was doing in this moment. You know, there's a, there's a Bible verse that says, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not even aware of it. And I just wonder how, how many times do we go throughout our day-to-day lives and how many times are we just rushing through life and God was in this place and we didn't even realize it because we just hurried on by. Did you know that slowing down can actually be a spiritual practice? Because sometimes God says go, but sometimes he says, you need to slow. And sometimes he tells us to work, but other times he says to wait. Because courage builds in the quiet. Courage bubbles up in the quiet. And this is a, this is a message that I have needed in my own life during this season. Because let me tell you why. The last few months, ever since we moved to Orange County, it feels like our lives have been moving at mock speed. And Andy and I, we've stepped into this new role and and this big church, and it's so big and beautiful, and God is accomplishing so much through this house, and we are so excited to get to be a part of it. And at the same time, there's so much coming at us and important things, beautiful things, things that we want to be a part of. But there are times it's hard to know what to say yes to and what to say no to because there's so much vying for our attention and it just feels like life is moving fast. And in addition to that, we have three kids that are in three different seasons of life. We have elementary school, we have middle school, and we have high school. Some of you guys are in the same boat with me and you know what I'm talking about. And not only that, but they're all on three different sports teams. So Andy and I are basically like a pinball machine. Every afternoon, you will just find us in our cars, bam, 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 driving all over town, getting them to where they need to be in the afternoons. And so if I'm not careful, what happens to me is I start to become more of a machine than a human being. I'm just just moving through life at this pace, keeping up with life and, and I, I don't want to get going so fast that I, I start missing these moments of God's faithfulness all around me. And so what I've done is I've been very intentional about putting in place some spiritual practices and it helps my heart to slow down. My life might be full, but my heart can slow down. And so there are these three principles that I want us to draw from this passage today and accompanying each principle, there's a spiritual practice. Now the first principle is that we can practice the pause. Because you know, it's really easy for one day just to start crashing into the next. And if you're like our family, you come in late at night and you just drop all your bags somewhere in your house and you go through your evening routine and you crash into bed exhausted and then you get up the next morning and you pick up those same bags and you head out the door to do it all over again. And it's just busy and we, we just keep going and going and going, keeping pace. But what if we could just practice the pause every day? What if we just set aside some time and elbowed out a little space for us to slow it down and listen to what God says about our lives, 
about our culture, about the way he wants us to live. For me, I call this spiritual practice daily time alone with Jesus. Sometimes you might hear it called a quiet time. But what it looks like for me, and it looks a little different for everyone, but for me what it looks like is I get up first thing in the morning when my heart is the most quiet and the house is the most quiet and I get something hot to drink and I normally sit on my couch and I just get my Bible, maybe my journal, and I just pray and I read the Bible. Maybe I'll write some thoughts down in a journal, maybe what I feel like God's trying to say to me that day. I just wanna hear from God. It's kind of like when Karis got out there on the rocks and suddenly she realized she didn't have the courage she needed to face that. And, and it was like, come on back to the beach and let's get our courage back together. I, I feel like that's what God is saying to us every day. It's like this invitation. Just, just come on back to the beach. Just spend a little time with me. Let me speak some truth over your life. Let me tell you what I say about you instead of what the world says about you. Let me speak some courage into you. It's like this beautiful invitation Come away with me. Spend some time with me each day. Recenter your heart and slow it down so that you can hear my voice in your life. You know, God didn't want his people to just zoom right by this moment and to miss the significance that, hey, we're starting a new era here. Like our parents and our grandparents, they were the ones that walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. But I can't just depend on my parents' faith anymore. I need to establish my own faith. I need to know the faithfulness of God for myself. And that's exactly what God was doing for them right there in this moment. That they, he is giving them these faith moments that they can build upon to say God was faithful to me. Not just to my parents, but to me as well. You see, our, our parents' faith or our friends' stories of God's faithfulness... It can help us, it can encourage us. But man, when you have lived it yourself, when you have walked through on dry ground, when you have something to point back to, that is a whole different level of courage that God wants to give us. It's like God was saying to them, don't, don't forget this moment. There, there is faithfulness that I want you to see in my character. There is courage to be gathered right now. Don't just rush on by. And so in order to give them this tangible sign of remembrance, God asked them to do something very specific. If you look in Joshua 4 verse 1, it says, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down in the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua calls the elders back together and he says, hey guys, listen, I know we just all hurried across the Jordan, but we're actually gonna, we're gonna go back. We're gonna, we're gonna slow it down a little bit because we are gonna memorialize this moment so that we never forget what we saw God do here today. They slowed it down. And it would have been really easy for them to rush right past this because the Israelites had a lot going on in this moment. They knew that they would be in a matter of days facing war. They literally crossed the Jordan armed for battle. They, they knew they had to set up camp for over two million people. They had a lot of two-year-olds that they needed to get to sleep on time. They, they had to get there and check their email. They had a lot of messages to reply to. They all had to post a selfie of themselves in the middle of the Jordan. I mean, there were things to get done. 
There, there was a lot of stuff pressing in on them. And it would have been easy to just miss this moment and say, you know what, we don't have time to slow down. I've got too much pressing in on me. But the second principle is that sometimes we have to push back what is pressing. Do you ever feel like that? Like, do you, I know I do. Do you ever feel like things are just so pressing in on you that you don't have time to think? You don't have time to, to even think about how am I doing as a person because it's just like, just do the next thing. Just keep going. Don't slow down. Don't think. Just do because we've got so much pressing in on us. And we just have to, we have to say, no, I'm not going to live like this anymore. We try to keep pace with everyone else around us. And what it's doing to us is it's killing our souls. It's telling, it's just tearing our hearts down because we keep trying to run at a clip that God never asked us to run at. We tell ourselves these lies that, that it's not optional, that, that I have to keep this pace. If I slow down, this whole world will just pass me right by. And so I have to stay on this hamster wheel or I'm going to get spun out. But the risk of living like that is that it will do damage to your soul you will get to the place where you can no longer hear the voice of God in your life. And, and maybe for you that doesn't even feel like that great of a risk because you're like, I don't typically hear the voice of God in my life on a day-to-day -day basis. But you will go days and weeks and years and you will never hear what God wants to say over your life because you're moving too quickly. Your, your soul is not quiet enough to hear from him. And one day, many years down the road, you're going to end up realizing that you are spiritually bankrupt, that your soul is empty and thirsty, and it's going to lead you to make some crazy decision to train wreck your life because you just don't have anything left inside of you and you are empty. And God doesn't want us to end up there. He's inviting us to slow it down and to remember that he's faithful and that he is enough. When I'm feeling this way, when I'm just feeling all this pressure crushing in on me, there's a spiritual practice that really helps me. And that is the Sabbath. Every week I try to practice Sabbath. And there's, there's so much I could say about Sabbath. But, but just in short, Sabbath is basically 24 hours a week, every week, that God gives us as a gift. And he says, you can stop. <laughs> and you can rest and you can delight, and you can worship, and you can remember that, that I am the God in the universe, not you, and that you don't have to be the one to hold it all together, that, that that's my job. That doesn't rest on your shoulders. And it's such a good reminder to me to live humbly before God, because sometimes I feel like if I stop, then everything's gonna spin out of control, everything's gonna fall apart, but that is a lie that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel more important that is not from God, and that we, he has given us this gift that we can stop. So Sabbath is different than a day off. Sabbath is not the day that you run your errands and that you catch up on laundry and you go get your hair cut. <laughs> there are other days of the week that you can do that. But for me, what Sabbath looks like, typically I'm gonna sleep in a little bit and I'm probably gonna read for a long time and I'm gonna go for a walk, and I'm probably gonna eat acai just cause I like it. And it, it is a day that I am going to delight, and I'm gonna think about the goodness of God, because here's the point. Listen, it's not just slowing down for the sake of slowing down. This isn't just about mental health. That's a good practice for everyone in general, 
But this, this spiritual practice is about slowing down so that our hearts can connect with our creator, that we can remember that he was faithful to us and that that builds the faith inside of us. It gives us courage to face whatever it is that we're facing in our lives, the practice of Sabbath. So I, these, these 12 elders, they, they go back to the middle of the, the river where the Ark of the Covenant is. And they bend down and they pick up these 12 stones of remembrance. And it says in verse 5, each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off and these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Now, I think it's really significant that God didn't just ask Joshua to be the one to go back and get a stone of remembrance. No, no, he wanted 12 stones. He wanted one for each tribe. Because these stones, this miracle, it wasn't just for everyone. It was for this tribe. And it was for this tribe. And it was for this family. And I never really thought about the significance of that before until I was studying for this message. And I was thinking about how important it is that we personalize God's promises. And that's the third principle, that, that we personalize God's promises for our life. Because there, there's more power to something when it's personal. It feels different. Like, for example, I don't really care about the NFL that much. NFL, National Football League, for anyone watching from an international campus, you know, this kind of football that you actually play with your hands, not your feet, not, not this kind of football. So anyway, um, I don't really care about it that much, honestly. Um, don't really watch games that often. But two times a week, every week right now, you will find me sitting in the stands through a whole football game because my son plays, two of my sons play. And I will be that mom that makes a fool of herself if my son gets a great tackle because I'm so into it. Why? Because it's personal to me. Things feel different when they're personal. And so we need to personalize the promises of God, the faithfulness of God. Like we sing that song, all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you've been so, so good. And when I sing that song, the thing I'm doing in my mind is I am rehearsing the times in my life when I have seen the faithfulness of God, where there was no way and he made a way, where he came through for me in a very personal and tangible way. I could build my own memorial of remembrance. Like for example, like, like maybe this rock right here could represent that time that we were graduating from seminary and we were $20,000 in student loan debt. And my brother-in-law sat down with us and he challenged us. He said, I want you to have faith to believe that God could help you pay off this loan in a year. And at the time we were making $50,000. So, I mean, do the math on that. But you know what? God did it. Within 11 months, we were debt free because God showed us that he is our provider and he is able. And that's a stone of remembrance for me. And maybe, maybe this stone represents the way that God healed my mind. You see, for years, I, I had cycled in and out of depression. And then one day, 
God, God healed me. And I don't have an explanation for it. He doesn't always do it that way. He takes all of us on our own, prof, on our own process. But for whatever reason, he chose to heal my mind. And I'm so thankful for it. That's a, that's a stone of remembrance for me. And maybe this stone right here represents that time that, that Andy and I pulled out of my parents' driveway. And we moved away from my family of origin in pursuit of God's call on our life. And it gutted me because I'm so close to my family. And I always dreamed that my kids would grow up with their cousins. But God called us from South Carolina all the way out here to California and I felt like it'll never be the same again. But you know what God did for us the last 14 years? He gave my kids some cousins. He gave us friends that turned into family. And every single holiday, we have people that we celebrate with. And at every one of my kids' big events in life, there are people that are cheering them on because he knew that was important to me. And he provided for me in that way. And when I look back at that stone, and he was faithful then, you guys, it gives me faith to step into this next season, that he was faithful then, he can do it again. His past faithfulness, it's what we build our faith upon. You know, I, I, I try to capture these moments from God each day, and, and sometimes they're big and sometimes they're very small, but I don't wanna miss them because it's easy to just hurry by. And so my spiritual practice for this, mo for this capturing of the moment each day is a gratitude journal. And it's very, very simple. All I do is I have this simple little journal and I write bullet points in it. It's not even in sentence form. It's just three bullet points a day of something I noticed from the day before that filled my heart with gratitude. Something that God did for me, a little gift. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's a conversation with someone. Sometimes it's the fact that I got to take a walk with my daughter or my dog. Sometimes it's that I saw this beautiful butterfly go by and it just left me in a moment of wonder. It's just little moments that I capture. You know why? Because I'm trying to pick up courage throughout the day. I'm trying to remember the faithfulness of God over my life in all the big and the small ways. I don't wanna forget his goodness toward me. And a gratitude journal has helped me to do that. I wonder what kind of faith stories you have. I would love to sit down with you and just hear you tell me all the ways that God has shown up for you in your life because we all have these stories. But, but maybe you're new to church and you're like, you know, I don't, I don't really think I have these stories. I don't think God's ever done a miracle in my life. Like if there's a Jordan River in front of me, I'm looking for a bridge <laughs> and I appreciate that. But I was thinking about you as I prepared this message and I was wondering how you would receive this message and, and I just thought to myself, maybe the fact that you're here today is the miracle. Maybe, maybe you are a miracle in the making. And all your life, God has been following you around with love and kindness, and you couldn't see it then, but you're starting to see it now. He loves you so much. And his goodness and his mercy, it is all around us. But we have to slow down long enough 
that we can see it. And not, not just to see it, but to memorialize it. To be able to, to have something we can point to that says, this is what my God can do. The chapter ends by saying, the Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I want you to go back and circle the two places in that passage where it says, so that. Because this miracle was not without purpose. God, God did this intentionally and he tells us exactly why. It says, first of all, so that all the peoples of earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Because he, God's faithfulness is personal, but it should never be private. That miracle, it was for you, but it was also for your small group. And it was also for your extended family. Because when other people hear about the miracles that God's done for us, the way that his faithfulness has shown up for us, it gives them a foundation upon which to build their faith. These are the stories that we tell the next generation. These are the stories that make the whole world go, wow, there is a God and he's mighty and he's powerful and he can do it. All throughout history, throughout the Bible and throughout human history, God has used miracles as, a, as an evangelistic strategy so that the world could see that he is mighty and that he is able. And it draws people to himself that the whole world would know that his name and his renown would be great in all the earth because he's good. And secondly, this miracle was performed so that you might always fear the Lord your God so that there would be this holy reverence in your heart for the Almighty, that your spiritual life would not, would not just be some, some side hobby that you do when it's convenient, that there wouldn't be a complacency about you and your spiritual growth, but that, that you would come to a point that you were just like, wow, if God is mighty enough to do that, and if he is loving enough to even care, then I want to center my whole life around knowing him and loving him and following him. He is good, he is able, and his faithfulness is what we build our faith upon. Today we're gonna close the service differently than we really ever do. Normally when you come, we do most of the worship on the front end and then we kind of wrap it up after the message. But today we flip-flopped it because we felt like maybe God wants us to slow down a little bit in this moment. And maybe there's, there's some type of response that he's asking of you. Most of the time when you think about courage, slowing down is not the thing that you think about. But maybe that's exactly the call of courage that God has for you. Because we just live in this culture that is pressing in on us and causing us to live so quickly that we're missing God in the middle of it. And so what we're gonna do as the band leads us in this worship time, we're gonna take up a stone of remembrance. And at all of our campuses, around the rooms, we have these stones. And there's also Sharpie markers with the stones. And we are literally going to etch in stone the faithfulness of God. 
I want you to write a phrase on here that captures some specific moment in your life where God came through for you. So maybe for me, I would write, he healed my mind. Or maybe I would write, he gave my kids cousins. And we can build our own memorial of the faithfulness of God. You can take this home with you today and remember he has been good to you. So I wanna invite you to stand with us now. As we're gonna close out this time. And guys, wouldn't it be so ironic if we rushed past this moment? After a whole message about slowing down, we're like, you know what? I got somewhere to be. I gotta get my kids. I gotta get out of here. No, don't do that. Don't miss this moment. He is inviting you back to the beach. You've been out there on those boulders and life is requiring so much courage of you, so much more than you ever thought. And you're digging deep and you're trying to power through. But maybe right now, the call is not to keep pushing through. Maybe the call is to slow down and to come back to the beach because he's got some courage waiting for you. He wants to remind you of his faithfulness today. Father, thank you so much that you have been good and faithful to all of us. And Holy Spirit, I invite you right now to open our eyes that we would see your goodness. Help us to remember the faithfulness that you have shown us over the course of our life. Give us moments that we can point back to, to say, look at what my God did. And if he did it then, he can do it again. God, we build our faith upon your faithfulness. You are trustworthy, you are strong, you are able, and you are moving right now in this moment. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as the band leads us, I wanna invite you all over the room, come, come pick up your courage and take it home with you today. <laughs>